We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome, Bears fans, to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. We are recording this episode on Wednesday, August 17th, following the Bears' first preseason game and a day before their second preseason game uh, coming up against the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, we, have a lot to, we have a lot to talk about in today's podcast today. Before we get into it, Yusei, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing well, certainly excited. I mean, you know, football season's officially back, so there's a lot going on, you know. And I think if you're the Bears, I mean, that week one preseason win, there were reasons for encouragement. There were also reasons to be like, yeah, this team's farther than we expected. But at the end of the day, I'm going to come back to the same thing I always say throughout the month of August. It's just preseason, so don't overreact to everything. Yeah, I think that's the main message for everything here is like it's just one preseason game. We're working with a very small sample size here against teams that aren't game planning, a lot of vanilla stuff on both sides of the ball. Uh, coaching staffs are really just trying to evaluate guys at this point in the, in, in the preseason here. So don't overreact to what you're saying. I'm seeing a lot of Bears fans. You know, Tajay Sharp apparently was the number one ranked wide receiver, uh, according to the PFF, for week one of the preseason. So a lot of Bears fans are jumping up and down like, oh, look at Tajay Sharp. You know, he's going to be the secret weapon for the Bears this season. Like, who, who's saying, you know, the Bears don't have any weapons here? And it's like, well, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. It's preseason. We see guys, you know, break out in the preseason all the time, and they don't end up doing anything when it gets to the regular season games. Like, you look at Sharp's career, for instance, like, he, he's been a – you know, run of the mill, number four, number five wide receiver throughout his career. So just keep everything within context here. He made a couple of nice plays. It's nice to see Sharp. Uh, he had that ridiculous catch on the sideline, uh, which was really impressive to see. He's made a couple of acrobatic catches throughout uh, preseason and training camp. So, I mean, it's exciting stuff. You know, maybe he can fill out a role here. That's what you're hoping for. But don't put too much into stuff like that. But, you know, there were some highlights, I think, to talk about from this week one game that I think – are important to discuss. And really, I think one, you know, how did the first team offense look with Justin Fields under center? Did we see anything positive of note? And two, uh, the rookie class and how they kind of looked uh, in this first precinct. And really the first time we got to see these guys uh, in a game setting for this Bears team. So let's start with the first team offense of Justin Fields. Do you have any takeaways from how they looked in this first preseason game you said? Yeah, I mean, they looked about as vanilla as I think it could get. You look at the entire offense as a whole, and I mean, let's be honest, Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney had that really nice play. They connected, I think it was on a 26-yard pass on the Bears' second possession of the game. But ultimately, I mean, you know, the offense still needs a hell of a lot of work, right? You're talking about an offense that has basically 
patchwork and so many different holes right now because we're seeing Sam Mustafer and Doug Kramer, by the way, who we hope has a speedy recovery from the list Frank injury he sustained. He's on season ending injured reserve, I believe. But, you know, you look at the center position and they're trotting Sam Mustafer out there when in reality, we know that that should be Lucas Patrick. Now, I think that having Lucas Patrick playing alongside Cody Whitehair and just having that solid veteran presence on the line certainly would kind of change the outlook of the offensive line. But then ultimately you look at it and you say, you know, these guys like Michael Schofield and Riley Reef. A couple weeks ago, Bears fans were like, hey, you know, we've got some really good veteran experience here at offensive tackle and right guard. But ultimately, those two didn't necessarily look the sharpest either. I think it's very clear that right now, both of those guys should just be considered, you know, training camp bodies and guys that are on veteran minimum deal so the bears offense certainly has its word cut out for it and you know it's not going to get any easier yeah we got two preseason games left you got thursday at seattle and then you've got you know saturday the 27th i believe at night at the cleveland browns but you know it's only gonna get tougher from here with the regular season looking forward and you know at the end of the day, we also have to keep something in mind is that preseason football is basically inter-squad scrimmages. Guys are not going full strength. Teams are not going full speed. And you know what? I think it's a big difference when you have some third, fourth string edge rusher that's on the defensive side of the ball that's taking Justin Fields down for a sack. And in reality, you know that in a couple of weeks, that's going to be a Nick Bosa or, you know, a Joey Bosa, for example, or a couple of the edge rushers that are on the Bears schedule in 2022. Yeah, I mean, I mean, certainly, first, we should keep in mind that a lot of the starters were not out there uh, for this first-team offense. Like, you look at the offensive line, you have Schofield out there, but, you know, Lucas Patrick still dealing with that injury. Um, at right tackle, Riley Reef was not playing, so you had Larry Borum out there getting some run um, with the ones in this one. Um, and then, you know, when, when you look at the skill position, like Cole Komet wasn't out there playing, David Montgomery wasn't playing in this game. Wide receiver, you know, Byron Pringle, Vils Jones, two guys that you'd expect to play a pretty significant role in this offense uh, based off what the organization invested on, in those guys. They weren't out there. So um, keep that in mind when we look at translating to the regular season, but you're right. I mean, the offensive line, it does have, you know, it does have some more cut out for it. really the offense in general. It, it's still a work in progress. Like Schofield, I know uh, he gave up that one sack uh, to Chris Jones, who Chris Jones, one of the elite defensive tackles in the game, but you know, it didn't look great to see him get beat that uh, beat that badly. Um, certainly, Justin Fields could have helped him a little bit, stepping up in the pocket. You know, that was some great pocket management by him. That's something he's still got to work on. There were a couple of plays I think Justin Fields would have liked to have back in this one, just in terms of, uh, you know, if you want to go see a good breakdown of Justin Fields' performance in week one, I, I would recommend going to uh, the QB school by JT O'Sullivan. Just does a great job of breaking down every single play of, of Justin Fields in, in week one. Um, but certainly you saw the flashes and, you know, Justin Fields, it looks like he's starting to get comfortable, uh, you know, running this offense, you know, getting to his check down consistently, going through multiple reads consistently. So that's, that's some of the things you like to see from him in week one. I mean, it, it's, again, it's preseason. It, it's like you said, it's basically like a practice for these guys. Now there were some standouts in this game from the rookie class. I want to get to, and speaking of the offensive line, we have to talk about Braxton Jones because one of the biggest storylines for, uh, you know, the bears throughout all the training campus, Braxton Jones has basically been solidifying himself as the first team left tackle. And you know what I thought outside of a couple of bad reps against George Karloftis, who's a first round pick. He was one of my favorite edge rushers in this, in this last draft class. And Karloftis did beat him a couple of times and made him look pretty silly a couple of times, but you know what? That's just, I think that's what Karloftis is going to do to a lot of guys in the NFL. Uh, but I thought Jones looked pretty good, all things considered. And then you had some other guys stand out too, like Tristan Abner had some nice plays in the second half of this game. Uh, Jack Sanborn, UDFA from Wisconsin, really stood out in this one as well. So uh, you say, you know, with Jones and, you know, I, I should talk about uh, Jaquan Brisker as well, made a couple of nice plays uh, against the second string guys for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, a lot of positive stuff in this rookie class. What did you, what did you see out there? You know, I was really encouraged by just what I saw out there. I mean, we have to 
keep something in mind. I've consistently been saying this is that the Bears rookie class, I think, has really impressed so far in training camp. You mentioned Braxton Jones, who, by the way, on that same second possession, had a really nice recovery fraught off a uh defensive lineman i forgot the name of the defensive lineman to allow Khalil herbert to have a nice five six seven yard run that's really what you're talking about right you're just seeing this young talent consistently emerge i think that for the bears in general if the rookie class is farther ahead of where it needs to be it actually speeds up expectations regarding the rebuild in general now ultimately that's going to come down to justin fields but it's encouraging to see just how well the rookie class has performed so far you're talking about Tristan ebner who i think just makes the entire running back room so expendable because he's not only a stud on special teams he's a really good kind of running back as well as a wide receiver he can play pretty much anywhere on the field and then you look at a guy like Dominique Robinson 2021 fifth round pick who just blew past the Chiefs offensive line for a sack I mean the Bears coaching staff has consistently been praising him and Robinson's also a name that has consistently flashed in training camp and then you top it all off right with your second round pick Jaquan Brisker who quite frankly was all over the field and I think that people look at Jaquan Brisker and they say yeah he's fast he's athletic he's physical he's incredibly rangy he can play up in the box he can play in cover two if needed but what makes Jaquan Brisker I think so good is just the simple fact that when the Bears do decide to run those nickel and dime packages I mean he's basically gonna kind of be that third line linebacker out there on the field in specific cases so you know this rookie class I think has come out and just really had a strong showing on Saturday and again you know Jack Sanborn's another name that could be emerging at the right time because the Bears have a lot of uncertainty at the middle linebacker position that's not even discussing the Roquan Smith situation you're just talking about Nick Morrow Joe Thomas Matt Adams all kind of being on these one-year flyer type deals so this rookie class right the youth that's showing out it's certainly something to watch now again we have to keep in mind it is just preseason but I do want to say this right regarding Braxton Jones I mean if the Bears open up week one and Braxton Jones is your left tackle there's two things that we have to understand from that number one he's rightfully earned that spot and number two the reality of the situation is that 2022 for the Bears is all about building for the future right you're using the present to build for the future so if you want to get Braxton Jones up to speed and make him your left tackle of the future I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong for a team that has that doesn't have a lot to play for to trot Braxton Jones out there for all 17 games in the upcoming regular season. Yeah, I mean, let the rookies play, I think, is kind of like the big thing here. That's something that Coach Eberflus has made it known, is that he's willing to let these young guys, you know, get some earn some playing time and plays. He's not, um, you know, committed to veterans here winning these jobs. It's like, you know, if you're a young guy here and you have something to prove and you go out there and you show that you've earned playing time, you're going to play out there. Um, and I'm glad to see that, you know, they're willing to go with this youth movement here. That was one of the frustrating things with, I think, you know, the last couple of years of Nagy's tenure uh, in Chicago was that, you know, you would see some flashes from some of these young players and outside of like maybe Jalen Johnson who earned a starting spot like right away, you know, or Darnell Mooney who earned a starting spot right away. It seemed like they were very hesitant to give these young guys playing opportunities early on because, you know, they were committed to veterans. Like, you know, you look at last year in terms of like the offensive line, Larry Borm um, not getting the opportunities over Jermaine Effetti late in the season when it was pretty clear where the Bears were at. They weren't competing for anything. You know, let the young guy go out there and see what he can do the rest of the season. Um, you know, stuff like that was just kind of frustrating or, you know, I, I go back to the 2020 season where Cole Komet showed some nice things early in the year or just wasn't playing at all because they had Jimmy Graham ahead, ahead of them and the depth chart, like stuff like that just didn't make a ton of sense. So uh, I'm glad that they're letting these young guys play and they're getting opportunities and it's going to be, you know, you learn more, I think, from getting on the job reps as a rookie rather than staying on the bench, in my opinion, for these young guys. And again, some of that development can help you know, not playing and, and seeing some veterans. Like if you have a, a rock solid veteran out there um, that is a legitimate starter, like, yeah, go ahead and play that guy. I'm not saying that you take out, you know, a key starter just to put in a young guy, but if you don't have a settled starter in at that position, you know, 
give those young guys a chance and let them see what they can do. So I'm, I'm glad to see that, you know, a couple of other notes here, Tevin Jenkins uh, getting his first playing time um, out there for the preseason um, at right tackle. It sounds like the bears coaching staff is looking to move him to right guard. Um, we're not going to touch on this too often because we got to get to our next segment here, but um, you know, any thoughts on Tevin Jenkins moving to right guard as it looks like right now? Yeah, I think it's certainly a positive for the bears. You have a young player who, didn't necessarily play left tackle in college that was thrusted into playing left tackle in the NFL, been through a lot of ups and downs last season with the back injury this year, kind of missing, you know, the start of training camp with the, what I believe to be is probably another back injury because his back probably flared up on him. And then on top of that, there was all this trade speculation. So the Bears are doing right by Tevin Jenkins by moving him inside to right guard and giving him a chance to succeed. What that really represents is, number one, it's a coaching staff that knows and understands a player's strengths are your best tools for allowing a player to go ahead and develop and really realize and reach his full potential. Number two, what it ultimately showcases is that there's still a belief, despite what is being said on the outside, that inside Hallis Hall, this team believes in Tevin Jenkins. Number three, let me just say this as I close it out. If you're the Bears and you've got Jenkins at right guard and Borm at right tackle, that actually bodes well for you because next year this team is probably going to be looking to rebuild the left side of the offensive line with Braxton Jones possibly being your left tackle in the future, but we don't know that for sure yet, right? Because he's had his highlights in training camp and preseason so far. We don't know how he's going to do in the regular season against the first team starters each week. And then you've got Cody White here, who's likely on his way out. Lucas Patrick, a bit of an older guy who signed a two-year deal. So the Bears are going to focus on building the left side of the line. But if they can solidify the right side of the line with Jenkins and Borm, that makes this entire process much easier than expected. Because then you can actually allocate and spend your draft capital and resources on other positions of need on the offense, like wide receiver, rather than just focusing on the O-line all at once. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, it, it just makes things easier. And if Tony Jenkins can establish himself as a long-term right guard option, you know, it's not ideal because – you know, Ryan Pace and the last regime traded up so much to go get him in the second round to be their long-term solution at left tackle. And, I mean, clearly their process was flawed to begin with because they wanted to flip Jenkins from the right side where he was comfortable to the left side when they already had an established left tackle and Charles Leno at that point. There was no reason to make that move. And Bears fans can go to the battle with me on that all they want. But, you know, Leno had a great year last year. There was no reason to move him. But with that said, I mean, um, you know, Tevin Jenkins, if he can, you know, with the back injuries and, and all the struggles he's had at, at the start of his career, if he can solidify himself as a stud right guard for them, I think that's probably the best case scenario at this point because it's clear that they probably don't see him as a tackle. You know, he had some bright spots in the, in the first preseason game, but there were some rough plays as well. Like that one play against George Karloffis early on where he just got, he just got smoked off the edge. Like, you know, there are some things where you look at Jenkins and you're like, okay, maybe his best position is at tackle long-term, but if he can be a, a good guard for them moving forward, I mean, he, he has the capability to do so. He's got that mauling mentality and we'll just have to see what he can do going forward. I'm excited to see how Jenkins does. It sounds like he's getting the start here um, in the Seahawks game and we'll just have to, have to see how it goes. 
Speaking of the offensive line, um, that leads into our next topic for today's episode, and that's previewing the offensive line class for going into the 2023 draft class as we head into the 2022 college football season. Um, So uh, a lot to put in there, but, you know, how we're going to do this here is we're going to split up into two categories here. We have offensive tackles and we have interior offensive line. We're going to be going down about four to five names at each spot that we think are kind of the names to watch out for going into this year and going into next year's draft class. Um, just, Just some guys that are on our radar near the top of this class or guys that could see their way rising up draft boards with a strong season this year in 2022. So uh, you say, let's start off with offensive tackles. And I want to start off with uh, probably the consensus number one guy right now, and that's Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern. Uh, He plays left tackle for them. And like I said, I mean, he's, he's seen by many evaluators as the number one offensive tackle in this draft class. And one of the things that I noticed about him going off of his previous tape is he's a good solid blocker who doesn't lose many reps. Like he, he very rarely gets beaten. Um, when you look at him on tape, just very sound uh, technically um, in the run game. I think he does a nice job of firing out of a stance. He's a good job of staying in position, you know, not letting guys, you know, beat him to the spot necessarily. Um, he's really good in gaps games you know, with that explosiveness where he can drive block a little bit um, in spaces where you kind of get into issues with him. And then in pass blocking, he's a guy who's got a very sound base. He can anchor well, good feet to mirror um, pass rushers on the edge there. So you like a lot of that stuff. The question with Skaronsky is, you know, what is his position at the next level? Because while some, you know, think that he can be fine at left tackle moving forward, there are some evaluators that think he may have to move inside because he isn't the lengthiest dude. He's kind of has a more of a squatty frame for a tackle prospect, at least in my opinion, um, we, don't, we don't have official um, measurements on him in terms of our length and whatnot, but you know, you can see it on tape, he struggles against lengthier rushers at this point in time who can get into his chest a little bit, you know, speed around the edge is kind of an issue for him, even though he does have good mirroring speed. And a lot of that has to go with the lack of length to kind of push guys around the edge of the pocket. So there is a move to guard possibility for him in his NFL future. Uh, you said, as we look at Skaronsky here, what are your thoughts on his previous film going into this year? What do you think he has to work on moving forward? And what do you think his best position is translating to the NFL as of right now? Yeah, well, I want to start with your second question, what I think his best position is. I mean, when you look at his measurables, he's listed at around six foot four, six foot five, just under 300 pounds right there at 294. And I'm a firm believer that, you know, to play tackle in the NFL you have to be above 300 pounds certainly and then you also have to have at least 33 34 35 inch arms and you're right Skronsky does struggle at times with much lengthier edge rushes which again it's like I said earlier in the show it's not going to get easier but what I like about Skronsky is I think just the durability you know he's got some ties to the Packers with his grandfather I believe playing for the um Green Bay Packers at times, but you know, I think when you look at Skaronsky overall, he's just such a really technically refined and sound player. He's got pretty damn good fundamentals. Okay, it's a really good anchor. All right, he is able to kind of get out there in the run game, showcase his mobility, get to that second level with ease. Now, I think that when you ultimately look at Skaronsky, right, there are certain questions that exist. We talked about his ability to play tackle or should he have to shift inside but ultimately you know i think that when you look at him right he needs to get much faster at just being able to climb two to second level he's good at that but you know i think that for a player of his potential he can certainly take it to a next level and you know you mentioned him playing outside versus him playing inside we know for a fact that's going to impact his status on the draft boards and how teams have him graded out. So for Skaronsky right now, I mean, if I had to put like a way too early grade on him based off what I've seen the last two seasons, I would say that he is a, you know, mid first rounder to early second round pick based on just him being able to play offensive tackle or offensive guard. Yeah, I, I'd probably agree with that assessment. I mean, he's probably – if I had to put my money on anybody of these offensive linemen being your first-round pick and being a lot to be your first-round pick, it would be Skaronsky. I do think this offensive line class is a little bit weaker than previous years that we've seen. Um, 
And I mean, it's early, so we still have an entire year of football to evaluate these guys. But just off of the early returns, you know, I'm not as impressed by this group as I have been with with previous class. Um, I mean, you talked about some earlier class, like in 2020, when you had you knew that Panay Sewell was going to be a guy that was going to be, you know, a top pick in that class. Um, There really isn't that that one player that really stands out to me there, like Rashawn Slater was in that class too. Um, just a lot of really talented tackles that have come out of the draft the last couple of years. I don't really see that one guy that really stands out to me like that. Skaronsky is the best of the bunch here. Um, again, there are some questions there, but he's probably the safest draft pick out of all the offensive line choices just because I think you know what you're getting out of him, um, whether he's a tackle or has to move inside to guard. I think there's a level of a you know pretty high floor there for you there. Um, and it's just a matter of, you know, can he work a tackle? If not, you know, I think you have a pretty dang good guard uh, long term there. But with that said, there are some other tackles in this draft class um, that have potential to go in the first round here, but haven't really um, – establish himself in terms of, you know, finding that consistency or, you know, just have to go out there and prove it um, this year. And those three guys for me that I, I think really fit in that tier of players that have the tools to make their way to the first round, but just, you know, haven't quite put it on tape already or just have some things to prove. Um, those guys would be Broderick Jones out of Georgia, Paris Johnson out of Ohio State, and Zion Nelson out of Miami. Now, I'll start with Jones here. Um, you know, he's a retro sophomore with only four starts on, you know, on his resume here. You know, a former five-star recruit, so this guy has a lot of physical ability, but just extremely raw. And when we saw him play last year in the few limited starts he had, you know, he was getting by just on raw ability and not really on good technique. So this will be his first year being a full-time starter at left tackle. So he has a chance to really solidify himself. If he can show some development here, um, the next guy, Paris Johnson out of Ohio state, you know, he's going to into his first year at left tackle for Ohio state. He already has two years of experience at guard for them, but, um, Again, has proved that he's a, a tackle, and I think he will probably prove to be a better tackle than guard because physically he just did not have the build. I think to be an, an ideal guard on the inside, he's six foot seven. He's got thirty five inch arms, so you really like that. He's a pretty decent athlete. Um, he just, in my opinion, needs to work on footwork and adding functional strength. And uh, the last guy here for me is Zion Nelson on Miami. Very athletic dude with good length for an offensive tackle. Um, the interesting fact about Nelson was that he was a two-star recruit coming out of high school who was only 240 pounds. So he had to put up a ton of weight um, entering college and he did so he's over 300 pounds now, I believe. So he's added a ton of weight onto his frame in only about three years or so. Um, but he is incredibly raw as well. Technique and functional strength are just, you can tell he's just not quite there yet, even though he's put on a ton of weight. So he's, he's a guy that needs a little bit of an overhaul to his game. So uh, you say, ah, those three players, you know, what kind of stands out to you about them, their development? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think my personal favorite of all those guys that you mentioned is certainly Paris Johnson Jr. Right now I look at Paris Johnson and the measurables really check every box for me. I think ultimately he's about, you know, six foot seven, 320 pounds. So you're getting someone that has all the potential to be a true offensive tackle in the NFL. What I love about Paris Johnson Jr. I think is that moves really easily. He's got really damn good range as a long as a uh, run blocker, sorry for twisting my words there. And then also, you know, I think that just his massive frame and athleticism, you combine that together, and then he just makes for an ideal offensive tackle, right? So I think that Paris Johnson Jr., right, overall he's one of those guys that you look at and you say there's legitimately a chance if he has a big year, he could overtake Peter Skaronsky as you know, offensive tackle number one in this draft class. And you look at, you know, a player like Jones, right? I have my reservations about Jones because I think that as a redshirt sophomore going into kind of 2022, right? He is going to have a lot to, you know, work on. I think for him, it's just all about number one, ensuring the game slows down for him because it did seem like he was lost at times on film. And then number two, can he go ahead, right? And can he just, you know, refine a lot of the technical aspects of his game, which I think will lead to him kind of being able to just become a better player overall. Yeah, and I think it's going to be key for all these guys here. I mean, especially when you look at a guy like Jones, I mean, 
again, he doesn't have a ton of playing experience. So there is just a lot of work to be done there. And Nelson, I think with him, he spent so much time working on getting his body right that he hasn't been able to focus too much on the technical aspect of playing off the tackles. So I wonder if he's going to focus more on that um, going into this year, and maybe he can make a bit of a jump there. But, um, you know, this, this class does need another guy to kind of step up here um, because, you know, outside of Skaronsky here, I, I'm not confident in any of those guys being for sure first round picks. So a lot of that's going to ride on what they do this year. So those are kind of the biggest names in this draft class. You said, is there one other guy at offensive tackle that really stands out to you that you think could make a name for himself this year? Yeah, there definitely is. And, you know, one of the kind of more intriguing players that sticks out to me is, you know, he's kind of a mammoth, but it's six foot six, you know, 325 pound um, offensive tackle for Maryland, Jalen Duncan. You know, he is a th- multi-year starter, started for about two to three years. He did play left tackle, so he's kind of a true left tackle in that sense since he kind of stepped onto campus for the Terps. And then, you know, you look at him, right? He's able to basically take edge rushers out of the game by mirroring them. And then ultimately, you know, he just sets the edge so well. He's got a really good anchor. And then on top of it, you know, he's a phenomenal athlete who is able to kind of work up to that second level with ease. Now, I do think that when you look at him, right, there's times where his body control could be just a bit better and that if he can kind of just become much more leaner and add some muscle to his frame, I think that he has a chance to really take his game to the next level. Sports betting continues to take over the sports world, and with fall right around the corner, there's going to be action from every major league sports league across the country on our own TVs. If you're like me, you're glued to the couch watching as many games as you can. Our friends at Oz Trader have got you covered with all the odds for each major sports book from around the web, all in one place just for you. As an added bonus, Odds Trader even compares the sign-up codes and promos so you get the best deal possible. When you're trying to find the best book, it's always best to have the best sign-up codes and promotions. Sometimes those even come with boosts, even additional money deposits. The app gives you a complete rundown on any game, including statistics, injuries, key game stats, game day weather, keeping you, the fan, as informed as possible. And sometimes if you're like us... You've got multiple bets going at once. Odd Trader will keep track of them all in one place for you. So what we want you guys to do is this. Head over to oddtrader.com slash bluewire. Once again, that's oddtrader.com slash bluewire, the number one website for all your game day bets. Yeah, I mean, Duncan... He certainly has the physical tools, like you mentioned. I, I remember I was watching his game earlier against Michigan, against Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo, who were two of the best pass rushers in last year's class. And, um, you know, he didn't do that. He, I think he, you know, for the most part, held his own against those two. So that's an encouraging thing to see. I mean, like you said, he's got to work on his, you know, rounding out his shape in, in shape a little bit. You know, he's a big dude, though. He's got pretty good length for the, for the position. So there's lots of like there with Duncan. And again, I, I think if he can step up there, um, he's certainly someone that could impress going into this upcoming season. And uh, maybe he can help himself out by raising his draft stock a bit going into next year's draft. So those are some of the offensive tackles to kind of keep an eye on. There are certainly some other names out there to kind of look out for. Um, but I think those are five guys that should be garnering a ton of interest this year. Um, but let's move on to the interior group here, you said. And I'll start off with you know a couple of big names here at guard, and that's Cooper Beebe and Andrew Voorhees out of Kansas State and USC, um, respectively. Uh, Cooper Beebe, interesting player here. So he plays left tackle for Kansas State and kind of they're a very run-heavy, zone-heavy uh, type of offense. Um, but he projects to guard in the NFL. He, it's very similar to, if you remember, Cody Whitehair coming out of Kansas State. Same system, um, same kind of play style where, um, you know, Cody Whitehair was a left tackle at Kansas State, but everyone knew going into the NFL that 
his best projection was going to be in the interior at guard or at center. Uh, Baby's got a very similar stock type of frame to Cody Whitehair. When you watch him play, one of the things that kind of stands out to me is that he's, he's very light on his feet, but he still was, is able to generate a lot of movement and power as a run blocker as well. You know, in pass protection, not quite a strong suit, but also like, again, he's kind of playing out of position on the, on the left side. Um, PFF didn't track him with a single sack given up last year though. So it's not like he's a bad pass protector. He's still pretty effective there, but it's, it's pretty clear that um, he needs to be on the inside when he moves to the NFL. Um, very solid player. He should be a top 50 pick. I think some were expecting him to enter uh, this past year's draft, if I'm not mistaken. So the fact that he's going back for another year, um, you know, a lot of people see him as a top interior offensive lineman in this draft class right now. And there's a lot of reason to think that he can kind of solidify himself. But the other player that you know has a chance to solidify, solidify himself as the top interior guy in this class is Andrew Voorhees out of USC. Um, who's going into his fifth year as a starter at USC. Um, he's a guy who's played both left tackle and inside at guard for them. Um, kind of like a, a different style of player from BB. He's more of a mauler on the inside who um, he, it's not that he's unathletic, but he's just a guy who looks to drive defensive linemen into the ground and every single snap that he plays, he plays with an edge. He, he plays physical. There's kind of like a chip on him um, from the way that he plays and, um, again, he's probably not the best fit in zone schemes, but he's got solid movement skills as well. And, you know, good power to anchor at the point of attack in, in pass protection there. So those are kind of your top two interior guys. Uh, what are some of the things that you saw out of them? You say when you were kind of looking at their pass film. Yeah. So, you know, Cooper BB, I think a player that I really like as well. Now you look at Cooper BB overall, right. And, Again, you know, you're right. I mean, I do think his best fit is going to be on the inside. And I think that just his best fit is also going to be in a scheme that really emphasizes run blocking, which again, for the Bears, right? That is just ultimately where I think he's going to go ahead and he's going to come in. So with a guy like a Cooper BB, right? I think just what you're seeing overall is, you know, about six foot four, 322 ish pounds, right? So pretty solid player there. But like I said, his best fit just kind of goes ahead and projects inside at guard. Um, when you look at, you know, some of the other names on this list, right? I think this is certainly one of the more intriguing, um, you know, interior offensive line classes but one guy that i have my name on is christian mahogany from boston college right now you look at mahogany i mean what i like about him i think is just his ability to continue to be versatile right he played uh left guard as well as um right guard in 2021 so you know there is some kind real versatility with him now he does have to get better in terms of his stances right i don't necessarily want to say that he's got the typical three-point stance but he's got you know a pretty strong lower body i think he's just a player that has to go ahead and you know refine a bit of his technique but i think you know for a guy like mahogany cooper bb they're certainly really good players and then Another one, you know, I think is Andrew Voorhees from USC, right? I think that splitting time between guard and tackle last year on the left side, I think that, you know, Voorhees played pretty, pretty solid. But, you know, for him, right, I have questions about him because it's like, is a team going to see him as a guard or is a team going to see him as a tackle? But, you know, Voorhees, because of his experience, I think he's going in his fifth year at USC and fifth year in college. I mean, the experience is there, but I think he is going to have a smooth transition to the next level. Yeah, when I look at a mahogany, especially, I mean, the thing that stands out to me is that this guy, he's big, he's imposing, and um, he's a guy that's, you know, quite the mauler on the inside there. He's much better run blocker, I think, at this point than pass protector. Um, but at 6'3", 335 pounds, I mean, this guy's a big dude. Um, and when he, you know, gets his hands on you in the run game and starts driving you forward. It's, it's, it's tough to really anchor against that. Um, and it's very interesting because, you know, last year 
Uh, Boston College actually had a pretty decent offensive line. I mean, if you remember, Zion Johnson was the left guard, and he was, I think, the top guard taken in this last year's draft in the first round for the Chargers. Zion Johnson, like a very different player to Mahogany. You know, Zion Johnson, he's more that, you know, athletic uh, left guard who can get out in space a little bit. You know, he has a good, sufficient power to his game, but he's more of an all-around um, he has more of an all-around skill set here. Mahogany's more of that classic mauling plotter of an offensive lineman at this point who um, should definitely, you know, should be on radars for a lot of teams that run gap schemes because um, that's certainly his best fit at the moment. But, I mean, like you said, I think, you know, there are some solid interior guys in this class. I think BB and Voorhees are kind of the top two in terms of guard projections right now. And when we go over to the center prospects, I think this is where it gets interesting as well. Because last year, you had Tyler Linderbaum, who was considered by many to be the top center prospect to come out of the draft. And in many years, I mean, Creed Humphrey was up there as a, as a prospect for me at center. But Linderbaum was kind of like, um, if you're looking for a pure outside zone center, like Linderbaum was the guy. Uh, he, he was clearly like one of those guys who um, you just knew watching him on tape that he was going to be you know, first round pick from the day that you saw him, despite the fact that he was undersized, like um, just had that special ability. Fun fact, you know, Linderbaum, he was a top graded PF uh, center in the nation last year, according to PFF, the second best center in, uh, in the nation, according to PFF in college, in college football um, is a guy that I'm, I'm going to talk about here. Another big 10 center here. And that's John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota. So uh, in my opinion, John Michael Schmitz, I think he has the profile to be the best center in this upcoming year's draft class. Again, like I said, he was the second highest graded center according to PFF right behind Linderbaum last season. So this guy has production and, you know, you look at him as a player, he's got the skills to kind of fit that wide zone because he was very good at reach blocks last year. He does a very nice job of getting out to the second level and latching onto linebackers and defensive backs there and, and moving in space that's something he's very adept at, but as opposed to Lindenbaum, who was a little bit on the undersized guy, you know, I don't, I don't think he was 300 pounds when he was playing at, at Iowa, um, you know, kind of had those shorter stubby arms, um, you know, played a little bit light for the center position. That's not the case with John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota. He's six foot four, 320 pounds. So he's got the size, he's got power. Um, he's got good movement skills. Um, there's a chance that he could really solidify himself this year as if not a first round talent, but, uh, you know, definitely a day two pick at the center at the center position. And then for an, another center here to look out for uh, Jarrett Patterson on Notre Dame, this guy's an experienced guy who, you know, he's started some years there at Notre Dame. And, you know, while he's only really only played seven in the last few years, um, there is some versatility to his game because, you know, he's a six foot five guy worth 300 pounds. Um, Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You know, I think he does have the capability to play all three interior spots. But again, he's more of a center right now, not like the greatest athlete in the world or not the most gifted in terms of moving guys. But, you know, he's someone who's very solid play to play, doesn't make too many mistakes. Um, so, you know, when I look at those, when we look at those centers uh, in this draft class, you said, you know, what are your thoughts on this center class for uh, this upcoming draft going into the season? Yeah, I think overall, you know, again, it's a intriguing center class right and i say intriguing because i do think that there's a lot of guys here that have this kind of low risk high reward type of projection now you know i'm not gonna say that some of these guys are gonna go on to be all pros just now because again they still have to kind of get to the nfl level and prove that first but 
I think that overall, you know, it is a solid center class. And if you're a team that is looking to build up, this is a draft class where, you know, if you do your homework right, you could certainly land a 10 to 12 year starter at the position. Yeah, I think for this interior offensive line class as a whole, there are some intriguing guys to look out for here. You know, whether it's some of these top guys like BB and Voorhees or, you know, when you look at the centers, um, you know, certainly some names to keep an eye on here. And when you look at in comparison to the offensive tackle class, I think it's pretty close in terms of, you know, whether saying the interior offensive line or, you know, tackle class is better right now. I think it's pretty close. And, you know, I think both have a lot to prove going into this year, but it doesn't mean that I'm not intrigued. Certainly, you know, the bears are going to need some help moving forward. When you look at uh, the offensive line, because, you know, you hope that Jones Jenkins and Borm all work out, but you know, the, Common wisdom would tell you that not all three are going to, and that you're going to have to, you know, either have a whole left tackle or either tackle spot going into next year, or you know, certainly in the interior as well. As Cody Whitehair gets older and Lucas Patrick, you know, he's more of a stopgap at this point. So they they need to continue to add talent to the offensive line. I think they made some strides over the last few years, uh, or I should say, over this offseason. We look at. Uh, Ryan Poles and some of the guys he added in the draft on day three, but you want to see more investment there as a whole. So those are some of the big names to kind of look out for Bears fans in terms of um, some offensive line prospects to look out for in next year's draft. And we're, we're just going to have to see throughout the course of the season, you know, who steps up and um, who really makes a name for themselves, because if one or two of these guys can really um, put it all together here and make their name known that they are a guy willing to be, uh, or I should say, deserving of being picked high in this next year's draft. I mean, that only bowls well for the Bears, who are going to have a pretty high pick. And, you know, with all the capsules they have to kind of invest on, you know, other places on the roster, they could be in line to draft an offensive lineman high in next year's draft as well. So to wrap it up here, you said um, we've talked a little bit about um, the first preseason game against the Chiefs and kind of recapping that. And after going on over all these offensive line prospects, I think it's only fair that, we wrap it up here by quickly talking about this game against the Seahawks here for the second preseason game. Now, this should be an interesting one. I'm not sure why they're scheduling it like this, where it's a short week for the Bears. Um, apparently, ESPN is going to be doing kind of like a practice through uh, for their Monday Night Football. So it's not Monday Night Football, but they're going to have the Monday Night Football crew working this game, I think, with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. So pretty excited to see Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Uh, working the Monday night games from now on this year after what's been pretty some pretty underwhelming boots to, to say the least. Even though I'm personally with a huge, huge uh, biggest uh, Joe Buck fan, but uh, certainly adds some more gravitas to that booth as a whole. Um, but you know, you look at the starters here for the Bears. You know, it's expected that uh, the Bears starters will only get about six to ten snaps coming off that short week. Um, I don't expect a huge workload for a lot of these guys. So this is going to be a big game for the rookies and some of these backups here looking to earn a spot on the roster. So you said, what are some of the things that you're looking forward to here for uh, this second preseason game? Yeah, I mean, real quick here, it's just going to be continued progression from the rookies. You know, you got Kyler Gordon, Vailus Jones Jr. making their debut, so that's certainly going to be interesting to watch. And then on top of that, you've got Ken Braxton Jones, Jack Sanborn, and Dominique Robinson continue to build off that strong week one performance. If that's the case, then I'm going to double down on what I said earlier. This rookie class is probably ahead of where a lot of people think they may be. And again, that just bodes really well for the Bears. And then, you know, I'm looking at some of the competition at positions such as cornerback, right? I'm looking at competition at positions such as linebacker. Can anyone there not name Jalen Johnson, Joe Thomas, Matt Adams, Nick Morrow, can any of those guys step up and legitimately prove to be quality depth pieces? If not, come the end of August, the Bears are going to be scouring the waiver wire hard. Yeah, linebacker has been in a spot where the Bears have been pretty active at adding guys throughout training camp, especially with the Roquan situation, which we've covered enough here. I, th- I think for me, I think the two guys I'm looking forward to the most are Kyler Gordon and Vils Jones Jr. You know, neither of those guys played in the first preseason game, and Kyler Gordon was somebody that – you know, you expect to get a starting job at cornerback there opposite of Jalen Johnson. And he should be a guy that along with Jaquan Brisker can hopefully be a kind of foundational piece for this secondary moving forward. So I'm excited to see how he looks. I'm not sure how many snaps he'll get 
you know, he's been kind of dealing with some injuries here and there throughout the offseason. So, you know, the biggest goal for him is just to be healthy. And then Vils Jones, you know, he was a pick that was very divisive uh, when, when it happened on draft night when he was picked in the third round. Some Bears fans really loved the pick. They were all on board uh, with, you know, polls and their vision for Jones and Getsy's offense. And, you know, some guys like me <laughs> were not the biggest fans of the pick, but you go and watch him in practice. You definitely see the speed. You definitely see the quickness. You see the playmaking ability is there. So I'm excited to see what he does here and how they use him. I don't think they're going to use him quite the way that uh, they're going to in the regular season. I think they want to keep kind of that under wraps. But, you know, you want to see the speed uh, and playmaking ability from Jones here because if he can kind of add that um, extra element to this Bears offense next to Darnell Mooney, um, that could add some explosiveness that we haven't really seen from this Bears offense in a pretty long time here. If you have two guys that can take the top off of a defense uh, with the deep ball throw like Justin Fields. So those are the two guys I'm kind of looking forward to here. Um, again, it's preseason. I'm trying not to overreact to anything. Um, and it's going to be a lot of backups out there for this next game. And the Seahawks, they're, they're expected to be one of the worst teams in football, but they do have a very nice-looking rookie class right now. So I'm curious to see how these two rookie class look going up against each other. Should be a very uh, exciting matchup from that aspect of things. So uh, without further ado, uh, that's going to be it for us here at the Pixel Polls podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe at all podcasting platforms for us on the blue wire. Um, and then make sure to follow us on social media on Twitter as well. Um, our Twitter handle is at picture polls. So make sure you give us a follow with college football season coming up. Uh, we're definitely going to be more active on that account in terms of, you know, keeping track of prospects on Saturdays and just having some shout outs out there for um, everything that goes on throughout college football season. So keep an eye out for that bears fans. Uh, you say it as for you, where can our listeners find your work and follow you on social media. Yes, you can find my work on the Bear Report. You can follow me on social media at Usaid Koshal. Yeah, and as for me, you can find more work on the Bear Report as well. And you can follow me on Twitter at AJFreeman25. Uh, make sure to keep an eye out for us on the Bear Report as we get closer and closer to the season. Um, it's very exciting as we get um, back to real football here. And, you know, tomorrow with the preseason game, I'm not sure if this episode is going to be released before the preseason game or after the preseason game. But, you know, regardless, next week, Bears fans, we're going to be here to break it all down for you guys and talk about some more prospects going into the 2022 season for college football and the 2023 draft. So uh, very excited, looking forward to that. So for all of our Bears fans and listeners out there, uh, have a safe weekend, guys. Uh, Enjoy the game on Thursday and bear down. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.